Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. What you have just seen, you will unsee. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to This Week in Streaming, a podcast on the Decoding TV podcast feed. I'm David Chen, and joining me today is my partner in life and occasional partner in podcasting, Joy O'Napping. Joy, thanks for chatting with me today. You know, unseeing things is a big part of our marriage, so I feel really qualified to wow to participate. Each week, this week in streaming, we'll cover a show that's new and interesting in the world of streaming. We'll tell you if it's worth watching, and eventually, we review and spoil this and discuss the entire season of the show. Today, we're going to be discussing Silo. Uh, obviously, earlier on Decoding TV, we covered the first five episodes of Silo. Uh, but today, we're going to be covering the final five episodes. We're going to start with our non-spoiler reactions, whether you should continue watching the show. And then we're going to recap and spoil everything else. As you'll recall, Silo is a new show on Apple TV Plus based on the book series by Hugh Howey. And it just had its season premiere, or a season finale, I should say, uh today or in like like the last 24 hours if you are a paid decodingtv.com subscriber then you are getting this podcast as soon as humanly possible after the finale has ended Woo, um, thank you thank you so much for your support and for being a paid decodingtv.com subscriber uh joy and i fell behind on silo so we marathoned the, basically the last five episodes this week so we could bring this to you as soon as possible uh, but of course, if you are not a paid subscriber, you can get Decoding TV for free at podcast.decodingtv.com. And we hope you enjoy uh, this fresh take, even though it's coming to you after the fact. You can also find us at uh, YouTube, TikTok, Twitter, and Instagram at Decoding TV. And of course, email us. Let us know what you thought of Silo at decodingtv at gmail.com. Uh, so let's get into it. Um, let's start by talking about our spoiler-free reactions to the rest of Silo and whether or not we think people should watch the show. Joy, what do you think? You know, I'm really torn on this. This is a show that feels like it was constructed for a week-by-week release. And I think you obviously have the choice of how you watch a show like this. I think if you were watching it week by week, it was a little bit more satisfying than as a binge watch. Um, So the things I loved about the first half, I still love. I love spending time in the silo. I love the world building of the silo, um, the visuals, and all of these little tiny details like, oh, they're growing corn. Would they actually do that in this resource-constrained environment? Um, I love that everyone wears rust and teal colors, which is what you and I are wearing today um, as a unintentional salute to the um, the world. I, I assume they do that, you know, because like um, the number of dyes available to them is limited. And, and it's that kind of thing that I really just enjoy soaking in. I am 
a smug book reader, to borrow a phrase from Joanna Robinson. And therefore, I will say I found the back half a little frustrating because I wanted to hit certain points and we hit some of them, but not all of them. And there's a bunch of stuff that's different from the book. And, you know, I, I can't separate my experience of this from having been now at this point, I think a truly smug book reader. Um, when we last talked, I had only read half of the book, and now I have read the full book, so I'm at maximum smugness. Okay, so I think I'm getting it's a mixed bag, Joy. Is that kind of what I'm hearing? I think for me personally, it was a mixed bag, but I think that doesn't quite translate to what is my recommendation for other people because yeah. I think I was in a sort of specific circumstance. Uh, so what is your recommendation then? I think if you like theorizing, if you like world building, and if you like slightly hard sci-fi, I think this is like, it's closer to a thriller probably than truly hard sci-fi, but I, I do um, think it's like worth a watch, particularly if you like the visuals. All right. I'll share a couple brief thoughts. Boy, it's nice to see Tim Robbins on, on screen again. That's nice. Tim Robbins, very talented actor, you know? Okay. Love Tim Robbins. Um, Rebecca Ferguson certainly also talented, uh, and somebody who is worth our time. Yeah, it's always so, nice to see uh, Rebecca uh, Ferguson in a starring role, which I think she's absolutely capable of carrying a show. Absolutely, absolutely. So you know, great to see those folks. Um, Silo has some really cool production design and art direction. You know, like kind of looks cool. Like the Silo looks pretty interesting. I would say. I am giggling because I feel like the world's biggest butt is coming. <laughs> There's no, I mean, I, I, unfortunately, I found this show and, and particularly the second half of the show to be fairly excruciating um, as an experience. I, I, I did not enjoy it. Um, I would, I would summarize my problems with it in two ways. Um, number one, a problem that I brought up when we discussed the first half of the show, which is that, in my opinion, there is very little here that is particularly well done beyond the central mystery of the silo, right? Like, so ideally, you really care about these characters and you care about their relationships. And, and the movie, uh, sorry, the show does introduce a bunch of these relationships in the second half, but... I found most of these relationships to be really broadly drawn and fairly perfunctory in how they're, mm. they're characterized. Um, and so beyond the central mystery, which unfolds at a glacial pace in the second half, um, I didn't find there to be much for me to engage with. The second issue I would say that I have with Silo is I found the, the filmmaking I would describe as inert. I just finished watching The Bear Season 2 on Hulu, which you can also check out on This Week in Streaming. And that show crackles. It is alive. Every frame is alive. Every choice feels deliberate, done to maximize the emotional impact of every decision that happens in the script. And this is just people in rooms talking and not framed particularly interestingly. And I think... Uh, in the first half of Silo season one, it almost gave us a little head fake because 
you know, there was that one episode that was just a set piece around the generator. And it's like, oh, maybe there's going to be like some yeah. sci-fi action kind of mixed in. Yeah. Maybe like every few episodes we'll have like an action set piece or something. Nope. Like there's basically nothing that is even remotely action packed that happens in the second. Okay. That's not true. There's, there's like a chase scene, you know, that yeah. happens in the second, but it's like, I did not find it particularly thrilling. I'll just put it that way. You know, like it's, it is very, there's very few interesting filmmaking decisions, I think. And a lot of uh, the power of the show hangs on the setting. Like this is a cool looking place. It's a cool situation they're in. It's a lot of the props in the setting. The set is, uh, are, are well-designed. Um, but from a filmmaking perspective, it's just really, really boring. I found just not very, in, like not very many memorable sequences, a lot of people talking, but again, if they're talking, they're framed almost in the exact same way every single time. So, um, I found this to be pretty painful in the second half. Like the first half, I was kind of already having some doubts, but I was like, oh, there's enough interesting stuff here that I'm kind of still engaged. And the second half, it just felt like there was a good two out of those five episodes of the second half that was just nonstop exposition of stuff I did not care about. Um, and that really, really took this show down a notch for me. So I, I found it to be quite painful. Well, I think, but again, if you watch it binge, that's going to be an issue. Because mm -hmm. also, they're very careful to take in the next ep episode. You know, they'll re-summarize things that have already been said in exposition. Yeah. So that feels like pretty like repetitive. I, I, I'm going to say, if I hadn't watched it, Binge, I don't know if I could have stuck with it. Like, I think uh, the some weeks, quote-unquote, of, uh, you know, some episodes would have been so slow that, like, so little happens in some of these episodes that I'm just like, I, I don't know if I would have made it all the way to the end. So I'm glad I watched it, Binge, but um, it's a fair point. Well, can can I take the recap um, of the – we've written a little recap of the second half of the season because sure, I think so, this maybe speaks to your concern, which is like in the first half of the season, yeah, as we so, talked so about we're last now time. Gonna, we're going to spoil everything now. So let's just be clear. Yeah. Right? So we're spoiling everything now. Here begins the recap of Silo's episodes uh, 1 through 10, I guess. Here we go. Well, the the first half was paced in a shocking way because so many – main characters, people who feel like main characters because they're known actors doing incredible job with protagonist yeah. style story arcs seeming get killed off just like bam, bam, bam. Like just as you get familiar with someone, they exit stage left. And so those were almost dizzying. You know, we saw, I'm going to recap these really quickly. Allison played by Rashida Jones, who, you know, voluntarily goes out to clean. Um, Holston, her husband played by David Ayello, who is like, you see sort of in bits and pieces spending three years trying to figure out what happened to him. And he goes out to clean. George, the hacker who, you know, unlocked the secret hard drive with Allison's help is either killed or committed suicide. And then we see the mayor, Johns, and the sheriff's deputy, Marnes, and everyone is just killed in very, like, sus circumstances. And if that's the first half, then the deceleration from that to the second half feels like such a slow burn as Juliet attempts to, like, figure out what's happening or why all these things might be related. And I think part of the challenge of the season for me is that the thing I am most invested in is the people I was initially introduced to as the protagonists. 
And maybe that's because Rashida Jones and David Oyelowo did such an incredible job, or maybe it's just literally because they're the first people we met. But it feels like there's this mystery question mark hanging around them. And often I'm wondering, when are we going to get back to that? Or when are we yeah. ever going to answer that? Or did I miss it? And was that answered already from the show's perspective? Completely agreed. And the show eventually did get back. Like, that was the whole thing. You you asked me after episode, like, seven or eight, you asked me, yeah. you turned to me and you said, hey, what mysteries are you, do I do you actually care about at this point? Uh, I was like, what happened to David Oyelowo and Rashida Jones? Like, that, that is the fundamental thing I care about. So I don't care about anything that's happening in most of right. the second and, half. I don't and care new about people George, are being introduced, you know, yeah. I, you know, like we meet Paul Billings and we find out Paul Billings has like an ailment and we meet Paul Billings's family and we meet, right. Com- I know his name's not Common's family, but you know, like we meet Sims's Sims, family, Sims's family yeah, um, exactly, and we yeah. spend more time with Lucas and it seems like there's a romance there and there's just all these new things happening at a rate that does not seem to um, necessarily keep up with, you know, all the other people I'm already interested in and I want to get back to and doesn't necessarily feel like it's advancing the story. I think also in the second half of the season, I personally felt that the character of Juliet was, you know, when you meet Juliet and she's standing in front of that generator, you know, she just looks so badass. She looks like Sarah Connor. I am here for some competence porn from Juliet, you know, for the next seven episodes. And we kind of get a sense of that when they manage to fix the generator. But then when Juliet becomes sheriff, she has no game. You know, she just like leaves red flags everywhere that she is not doing her job. And she is, she actually probably should be sent out to clean for all the things, laws she's breaking and the way she's rampaging through the silo, trying to get answers that really seem to be motivated primarily around, did my boyfriend really love me? Like, it, it, it's actually, like, right. as a feminist, like, offensive to me that, like, Juliet doesn't seem to have an interior set of values about whether she's protecting the silo or what she's trying to do here. Yeah. Um, and, and as you say, it takes a character who is highly competent and transforms her into one that is not only quite incompetent, but seemingly has no interest in becoming competent. Right. There's so many like self owns where it's like if you just waited one day or told like a slightly better lie, but you know, she just doesn't seem to have it in her, which I might even believe. But then she has a series of miraculous escapes. It feels like she's always on the run and always escaping things miraculously that just doesn't match with how incompetently she's like pursued the investigations. So I will just say Book Juliet is fairly different on a number of levels that I find you know, she's still pretty, um, it's, it's not unrecognizable, but I, I wished they had done a little bit more there because I think this really could have been an incredible kind of career defining role for Rebecca Ferguson. And I think it's not quite there for me. So, you know, in the second half, you know, to finish out this recap, she does eventually learn the truth about what happened to George and it is at a really awful cost. Um, She has endangered a ton of folks along the way and coerced a lot of people into helping her, um, but finally gets captured. um, And when she kind of sees how many people she's, they're threatening because of her, she, you know, agrees to toe the line and say that she was forced, she was, she had asked to go out to clean, which of course she didn't. Um, And then we find out uh, through the very end that um, 
you know, what, what all that cleaning actually is about. So yeah, which we'll, we'll, we'll talk about momentarily, but I just want to agree with you about the Juliet point. Juliet basically is the main character for the final two thirds of the show in season one. And she is, in my opinion, a very difficult character to root for. It, this really stretched my loyalty to Rebecca Ferguson, which is, <gasps> which runs deep. Yeah. Um, mine does too. But she again, not particularly. She she goes from hyper competent to not competent, and the new job, and she hates it. Um, and then she kind of she basically leaves a massive trail of destruction behind her, and doesn't feel bad about it at all. Yeah, there's like, a callousness to the way that she kind of um, just harms people and um, threatens them. And it seems, you know, if it were in service of a greater thing that we all really were on board with, but it, it's really described more as like, she's really damaged from what happened with her family. And so her nuclear family growing up. And so she's really, um, a little bit of a raging bull as a result. You know, I think one of the more stark instances of this is when this guy, you know, she saved this guy's life and then he risks his life to help her in exchange for this watch she's wearing. And then she refuses to give it to him after he's done his job. It's just like, she's just not a nice person. And, uh, and as you said, a lot of, not all, but a lot of her plot sums down to, um, did my boyfriend really love me? You know, like that, that's kind of what she's, what a lot of her mission is now towards the end. I think it becomes, Hey, we need to uncover the truth about who's actually running the silo. Like, and what is going on here? You know, towards the end, I think it becomes that. But for a significant chunk, that's not what it is. It's like, I need to find out the truth of my ex-boyfriend's death and, you know, and whether, you know, what his actual feelings for me were. And that is just hard to get behind as a, an all-consuming mission that's going to destroy a bunch of lives. In my well, opinion. when we don't really know that much or like George that much, you know, like the more time, every time we were in George. You know, I was taking notes in, in in George's story. I was like, "Ugh, less George, more anything else." Like, literally, show me how they clean the concrete. Um, show me the mines. You know, those sound like yeah. some people the spend a lot mine, of time the down there. Iron, iron mines, yeah, yeah truly anything. Um, okay, so by the end of the season, I think we know the answers to some of the big questions. So let's take these one at a time. Um, I'm, I'd love to hear um, what you think the answers to these mysteries are so what happened to sheriff holston when he went out to clean do you, do you feel like you finally have the answer to that and why is everyone constantly talking about heat tape so one of the things that the show does well is it shows you this vision of the outside world that actually looks nice but every single time you see the video of it it looks like it's the same image and there's a birds flying past and it's like what's going on there so there's something about people going outside that's not quite what is being presented, right? And uh, so Holston goes outside. He sees greenery and lushness everywhere. Um, and it's the same birds and everything like that. And uh, what I think we learn in the finale is that when people go outside, they wear suits that project an image of lush greenery and meadows and peace and everything to the person in the suit, yeah. To the people in the silo, they still see what is act, quote unquote, yeah, basically what's actually out there, which is like a wasteland. Right. right. And so this is the silo's way of tricking people into cleaning because the people outside will be like, hey, you need to see 
what's out here. So I will clean the sensor so you can actually see that it's beautiful out here. However, that projected image in the helmet is a lie. It's actually a wasteland. And um, so when Juliet says the display is a lie for the final time, what she means is the display inside my helmet is a lie. mm -hmm. Yeah. Interesting. So then uh, what so what happens with uh, David Oyelowo's character, Sheriff Holston, is he thinking that it's nice outside, removes his helmet, but then immediately would have learned that it's actually the air is toxic and that's why he dies. Right. Yeah. And and manages just to stagger over to where he can see Allison, his wife's body, because he has taken the helmet off. He can see the real world briefly. So he knows where she is. Whereas in the display world, you don't see the bodies. You just see rocks. But people sent out to clean dye anyway, because uh, I think there's something in their suit that there's a hole in it or it lets in air from the outside. Um, and that's why Holston's wife died. And that's why all the other cleaners sent out to go out there die. Um, and that's why Juliet didn't die, because they patched her suit up with some of that sweet ass electric tape uh, that was being talked about endlessly during the final couple episodes. So So I think basically to just clarify this a little bit, I think that's the gist of it. There's shitty heat tape. Do you remember? And what has made um, IT aware of Juliet in the first place is she's like, I keep requisitioning this heat tape and it sucks and it won't work for the purpose of patching the generator. So I need good heat tape and I stole some from IT. And it turns out IT has a different and better quality of heat tape. Mm -hmm. So there is, they are using for their own servers and stuff, the good stuff, but there is a shitty version being created in the silo so that they can um, use it among other things to seal people into the suits, knowing that it will fail within X amount of time, enough time to give somebody to clean and not much else. And not much else. Yeah. And that's why at the end, Sims and, Tim Robbins' character are talking and they're saying, oh, you know, she's not going to make it past this point, you know, because they expect that her suit will be filled with the toxic air and she'll die at a certain point. But that doesn't happen because she has the nice tape. So. So when she goes up to the sensor and doesn't clean it, she just drops the little wool. Yeah. Tim Robbins' character, Bernard hightails it out of the cafeteria immediately and runs and like unlocks something do you did you catch that i, I remember he, seeing he uses that. his little key that says yeah. 18 and he unlocks yeah. something that says server room so do you have any sense of what that's about Mm-mm. it's not not clear to me maybe he's trying to change up what the image like clearly the image that's being shown to everyone is already being manipulated so maybe he's trying to manip- yeah. manipulate it further that was kind of my conclusion Yeah. Well, I will say it is obvious how much work goes into the cleaning actually occurring in the way that they want it to. And that this is one of the most important things is this sort of ritual bloodletting ceremony. Um, And so it's obviously like super important for, I'm going to call it like crowd control. Bernard says it, you know, you had a thing you had to monitor the pressure of and adjust if it got too high or too low i do too and for me that is the silo itself and so clearly this is going to like throw things off totally if the cleaning doesn't occur all right you can you can can imagine the kind of civil unrest that's going to result from it right like because this is the first time 
I think possibly ever that somebody has refused to clean, right? Like I think I believe it, it that is happens extremely rarely if it's ever happened before in the history of the silo. I think that's right. Um, so now, why uh, this leads us into our next mystery? Why is everyone so sus? You know, in judicial and IT, and you know, what what do you think? Why do they hate Juliet so much? Well, I don't have any broader sense of it. I mean, when Juliet emerges on the surface, what you do find out is there's multiple silo-esque indentations around her. So what seems to be like a dozen or so silos around her, uh, possibly more, you know, just based on what we can see. Um, And it's not clear why there are so many silos or what the objective is. But what is clear from the show is that um, a lot of work needs to go into not only just the cleanings, but maintaining social order as a whole. And making sure people follow the rules and that people accept the narratives that are given to them. And so when you have a character who's out there running around trying to disrupt these narratives or find out who really killed X, it's really going to mess up their plans for maintaining the social order. Um, that's that's all I got from it. You know, it's it may go deeper than that. There may be more to it than like in terms of what judicial is actually trying to accomplish. Um, but I don't know that we had that much access to it in season one so far. Well, there's judicial and there's IT. So common technically works. I mean, Sims, Robert Sims. <laughs> so, you know, side note, I think this show is filled with wonderful actors. Um, but I think Common's uh, work here, you know, is maybe not the most polished. I often don't really believe him. And it's partly because he's wearing this leather jacket that it feels very implausible that anyone would have and just looks... Everybody else looks like they're in 1975-ish, and he looks like he's from 1995. Um, But he works for Judicial. In theory, he works for Judge Meadows. And in Mm -hmm. theory, Bernard is in a separate department in IT. But I think what it turns out is that there is this like very secret axis of real power um, with much more advanced cameras and monitoring and, um, you know, technology and that there is a front, you know, of Judge Meadows and having a mayor that thinks they're doing good things like Mayor Johns and even having a sheriff. They're not even the real law enforcement. Judicial is the real law enforcement. So um, they are tasked with actually running the silo while they're sort of a veneer of democracy over it. Yeah. And maybe the fact that Tim Robbins has a, a thing that's called 18 means like that's the 18th silo. That was another thing that came to mind. But yeah, uh, I think so that's we'll a s- very solid, you know, hypothesis. Yeah. yeah, we'll see. We'll see. So if you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. All right. Well, another mystery that, frankly, I didn't even think we would get into in the second half of the season um, is what's the deal with Juliet's family? You know, she ran away effectively at 13 and became you know, ran all the way down to mechanical. And um, there's sort of an implication that that's like a lower caste, you know, lower class situation um, that you wouldn't put yourself into. But, uh, you know, what led to her family tragedy and her, you know, terrible relationship with her father? Yeah, uh, it, it seems like she believed her father took actions that led to the death of her her mom, right? Right. and. Uh, his position has always been that that wasn't the case. Uh, and then eventually Julia believes him during the course of the second half of the season. Is that, is that accurate? Right? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and then they kind of reconcile. Um, and I, I think this kind of points to some of the challenges I have with the show in general, which is like, when I see the backstory of, Ju- of Juliet, I'm, I'm, it's rare that I actually experience it as, you know, this is this is um, an organic backstory that I really can emotionally engage with. It, it just feels like this is what the show is doing to make me care about Juliet. That's kind of uh, I, I felt like I was kind of seeing the seams of the show mm. in a way that I that I don't with a more uh, with a, a shows that I think are more skillful. Um, and I I think a part of that is because like a lot of these backstories just feel very broadly drawn. It's like, you know, um, the, the bad people came and they smashed up the magnifying glass, the symbol of progress. And it, it just feels like very like clunky, like the, the most obvious metaphors is, you know, as opposed to like, um, again, to compare with like the bear or succession, like these backstories that these characters have are like messy, you know, they're uh, someone, um, took us fishing and then, you know, Logan Roy flew away uh, and didn't spend the weekend fishing with us. And then some like Roman almost drowned or whatever, you know, like it's like they're weird and randomizing and they kind of build these characters as opposed to like every single one of the backstories in silo felt like it's like, it's, it's trying to explain everything about why this character came to be this way. And so um, to you, maybe it's a little bit on the verge of cliche. Yeah. Uh, cliche just feels too strong, but it's, it's kind of more like, uh, I could see the seams uh, wrote maybe would be a word I'd use to describe it, you know? Yeah. Um, h- how did, how did the Juliet's backstory work for you? Well, everything you didn't like was not in the book. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I, I do feel yeah. like there's an artlessness to it or a little bit of a heavy handedness. Um, I think what is happening with this backstory of the nuclear family is that this is an attempt to, do two things. One is to tie Juliet's story to a broader story about fertility and birth control, mm-hmm. which is not in the book. 
but is a really reasonable extension. You know, if you talk about authoritarianism, um, you know, like eugenics uh, is right there next to it. So they really blow that out with like the syndrome that is discussed that Paul Billings has, where it maybe is like a Parkinson's-like neurodegenerative kind of disease. Um, And then, um, you know, the the birth control implants and the, you know, who's allowed to make babies and not, you do understand that there would have to be some kind of population control. Um, but it's like so centrally planned down to the individualism or down to the individual. So I, I think um, Juliet is also the second thing is she's being positioned. If you think of like the epic <laughs> tradition you know, from Beowulf on down, you know, or from like the the Greek and Roman epics, you know, often the hero has a very important lineage. And Juliet's situation is that she is an accident of the birth control failing. That not mm-hmm. no birth control is perfect. And mm-hmm. so her family was designated do not reproduce because her mother is too curious. Right. And so she is really not supposed to produce curious offspring who will potentially rock the boat in the silo. The It's all there in the text of this season that they're being bred to, for relative docility. Yeah. And the reason you don't want to have one of these outliers is because somebody like Juliet could really run amok, um, rise to the role of sheriff, use this office to mostly investigate her ex-boyfriend, but also some other stuff, and really disrupt social order, which is clearly what is going to occur, right? She's being set up as kind of like a martyr Christ figure as she's being like led up the stairs from 144 all the way to level one. You know, she even stops for water. It feels very much like Christ's like stations of the cross. People are looking at her admiringly. So they're, they're losing control of the hearts and minds of the silo um, because of our, you know, heroine figure um, who then does and goes and does something truly impossible, which is she makes it beyond the ledge of the ridge of the hill. So um, I think that this whole backstory is supposed to illustrate to us the consequences of like outliers and why they are so careful about trying to maintain control. And, and the impossibility of trying to do so, you know? Yeah. Uh, probably. Um, but I, I don't know that all that stuff really um, resonated with me. You know, like, I, I don't know that at the end of this, I was like, wow, a lot of interesting questions about, control and uh population control and like china's one child policy and you know whatever i just i think that um the show in my opinion got a little bit too up its own ass about its mythology and who are the flame keepers and who Mm. are the rebellion and all this stuff and it just tried to hint and then to some degree answer all these questions uh, by having characters give these very, very lengthy monologues explaining like what is going on with all this past stuff that um, it, it just felt like it became too enamored of mythology to really land 
those points that you just described in, in, my, in a good way, in my opinion, right? Yeah, I think the worst is um, Gloria, the woman who's being kept drugged in long-term care, Absolutely. you know, yes. um, who had a book Gr- that went to, yeah. so in, to George's mom and then the, the book rattles around and like, I, I get it. These ideas are dangerous. You know, the relics are dangerous and they're dangerous to order in the silo. Um, I think that the question for me is like, have you read 1984? I have. Like, spoilers for 1984. But at the end, you know, like, our protagonist thought he was in XYZ kind of surveillance state, but actually he's in a different kind of surveillance state. And it's really, really dark. Um, I think that that is effectively Juliet's journey on this, which is she's like, I think they're trying to control me in this way and they're trying to control me in this way. So if I solve what's in front of me, then I will have cracked it. But it turns out, like, it doesn't matter how George died. Like, that is actually, to some extent, an irrelevant question. It just motivates her to go off and ask a bunch of stuff that is adjacent to other much more dangerous questions. Um, and I think what we're supposed to believe at the end is, like, she shouldn't maybe have gone – like. There must be a reason that all of, I I don't know, maybe I'm like too authoritarian leaning, um, but there there must be a reason that people are going to all this trouble, you know, um, and that she really has screwed with it. What, What do you think? I think the thesis of the show can be summed up in one of Juliet's last little speeches where she says, you know, if if this society requires the deaths of people like George and Holston and his wife and so on and so forth. Like you have to ask yourself whether the society is worth maintaining. And it's kind of the classic sci-fi cliche yeah. you know, snow, snow Like if, if at what, yes, we, yes, we have a civilization. Yes. We have a society at what cost and is it worth the cost? Right. You know, I'm dying because the book asks those questions with, you know, it, it gets farther in the first anthology book, which is called Wool, which consists of several stories, and we've covered about three out of three fifths of the book, maybe. In um, the show, in the show, in this first season of the show, I'm guessing we'll get to the um, remain remainder in the second season, which has been already ordered by Apple TV Plus. Um, I think it there's. Sh- just so much really interesting stuff to answer those questions, but it isn't brought into this season. And so I'm disappointed partly because I feel like it's 80% of a story to me that if they had just gone a little bit further, um, there was a lot more to sit and noodle on in the one to two year wait between seasons. So um, I think I'm telling people to go read the book. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. I'm sure that's very helpful for people who have just watched the show. So, All right. Well, it's a very brisk read. Um, final question for you. Um, if you don't have any other overall thoughts. No, go ahead. What do you think is going to happen next? So I'm just guessing wildly, right? I mean... You, wild or not, you know, based on what you got. Uh, I mean, I think that obviously we see Juliet making her way out of the silo, uh, you know, to to another place. She's probably going to uncover a, that there's more silos and B um, the actual reality of where human civilization is at this point. Um, probably going to try to get some people out of the silo is my guess, you know? So those, those are just some of my wild guesses. Okay. 
All right. Yeah. And you already know what happens, right? So you well, can't like, guess. A- according to the book, but unless they decide to make it, you know, I mean, there's so much stuff in this that is not in the books. The The children's book, Guide to Georgia, is not in the book. The Flame Keepers are not in the book. The Syndrome is not in the book. Um, you know, the Lucas is wildly different, you know, so it's it's actually getting a little hard to know exactly what direction they'll take it. Um, are there any things plot lines scenes sequences from the second half that particularly stuck out to you that you really appreciated i'm just curious well so this is actually like a thing i wanted to ask you about there is um in the book um i literally cried at the part where juliet goes out to clean and she thinks it's told from her point of view she thinks she's gonna die um and she she doesn't know how but that's you know the mystery of what it is actually like to get sent out to clean. And she goes out and she refuses to clean. (laughs) Um, But she starts to realize um, what has happened is that her suit is protecting her longer than it's supposed to. Now, she doesn't necessarily think, oh, that means I can live in this suit forever. But she's like noticing like and she figures it out with the heat tape and the note from Harriet Walker's character. um, Or sorry, the character's name is uh, Martha Walker. Harriet Walter plays her walk from down in, you know, mechanical who had mentored her that she has intervened um, somehow or that somehow the people who support her from the down deep have intervened to make this suit better. And the sacrifice that Walk did, she like called in every favor she had in the book to protect. I'm going to like cry talking about it, not to help her live or to survive it because no one can know what that is, but to help her survive it a little bit longer and to give her the chance to walk over the hill that everybody dies before they get over because she wants her to have the choice to have the dignity to die away from the camera and the sensor so that people don't have to watch her body decompose over the next whatever dozens of years. Um, it's it's so beautiful to me. And I was really, really looking forward to that payoff. And I knew because we were spending so much time with Walker that we were definitely going to get there. And especially because people start talking constantly about heat tape. Um, but I'm curious if this landed with you emotionally at all. It's revealed so differently that I think it it didn't land in the same way for me but i also knew it was coming i i do think it's a nice moment when juliet goes up above the surface and she starts like you kind of learn what's going on through juliet's perspective and that's like a pretty effective sequence i think for me it was a little bit clouded by the frustration of i can't believe we had to go through like five episodes longer than i thought we needed to to reach this point you know i really wanted to this was the central mystery of the show. And to their credit, they got to it at the end of season one. So, like, that's good. Um, it, you know, they partially solved what's going on. Uh, but, yeah, it, it was an effective sequence. I was kind of like, by that point, the show had worn me down a little bit. So um, I, I wasn't really in the most open place to receive what the show had to give. Um, <laughs> but are you saying the show worked for you in the same way the book did? or? No, I'm saying like it almost couldn't because the book moved me so much and I was like so primed to wait for this moment and see if it kind of unfolded with yeah. the same emotional resonance. And it definitely didn't for me, but I can't tell how much it's because I, I kind of knew. I, 
I will say the book absolutely is written like a thriller where you can see every kind of two episodes or so there would be space for like um, a pretty clear set piece. And for some reason, they instead decelerated. Like this could have happened at the end of episode seven, and then we could have had a big wild moment at the end of episode nine. And, you know, like it it was all there. And they chose to to do it this way with more mythology that they inserted for a reason. And so I'm going to like try to withhold a little bit of judgment on that until like the next season and see how it all comes together. But yeah, I mean, there's some effective moments in the second half of the the season, I think. Uh, the reveal that they're being watched by cameras everywhere is like a nice reveal. Yeah. And then later on, Tim Robbins shows her how George actually died, which is which I almost found to be unintentionally comical because it's like she spent like hours and hours and hours and hours and wrecked so many people's what... lives. Lucas went yeah. down to the mines for this. <laughs> yeah, like that guy went down for ten years, got sentenced to ten years, and it's like. And to try to uncover the truth of George's death. And it turns out he actually uh, offed himself and, uh, and they have footage of it. And it's just, it's, uh, but yeah, those reveals around the camera. Oh, the flat, make sure you put flowers in front of the cameras, all this stuff. That was all pretty, like, that's not a nice sort of effective twist reveal. I thought. Um, So that part was good, but yeah, like Billings as a character, it, it it almost is like he was a good character. He, he was more effective when when I didn't know his backstory. Like he's kind of imagine if you didn't know that he had the syndrome and he, he didn't have a wife and kid at home. Like he was just this guy that showed up and he was kind of by the book. Like that would be, in my opinion, a more effective character as opposed to this feels like they kind of put this story in there to make me sympathize with Billings. Yeah, and I think yeah. you said you said that in the book he doesn't even have the quote unquote the syndrome or there's no such thing as a syndrome, right? Correct. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So a lot of these kind of backstories felt very perfunctory to me, unfortunately. Um, They felt like we need we're doing it because we need you to care about Billings. We're doing it because we need you to care about Juliet's past and her relationship with her dad. And it's like, uh, I don't I feel like that's why you're doing it. And, you know, that's why I'm not particularly engaging with it. Um, But. uh, Yeah, and I'm, I'm bummed that. A lot of the things that it seems like you were into the show for and that kind of intrigued me, like how do you manage a society that lives in one of these things? Um, we, we, the, the show seemed to completely not engage with that at all in the second half of the season. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Like, I have one giant gripe. It's like such a, you know, the comic book guy from The Simpsons. Like this is the energy I am bringing to this gripe, but it is speaking directly to what you just said. People start to move around the silo like they have jetpacks, you know, like all of a sudden Common's like in a meeting on 32 and then it's like, go talk to Billings. Billings is on one. So you got to go 30 flights up the stairs. But Common's there like two minutes later. Like, wouldn't he just send an email or use the walkie talkie because they're in the middle of a crisis. And then they're like, you know, get common Robert Sims back here. And then bam, he's there. like, all of that would have taken a day or like for Juliet to go down a recycling chute in a ladder, which is really scary. You know, like she goes from 22 to 126. That is 104 levels 
in what feels like 15 minutes. And I calculated it would take, I think, six hours minimum for that whole thing to occur. So like people, it's like all Raiders to 22. Like some of your Raiders are on like 110. Like are they really going to take a full day to get up to 22? Like just not a good use of resources. And so I really felt as they got into more chases that they had to cut a ton of like believability about how people move around the silo. The unwieldiness of the silo is the silo is itself a central character. Like I really don't like that they stop grappling with what it means to be in a silo. Yeah. Yeah. They just... So, you know. Mm. Uh, agreed. Agreed. And, and and those are some of the more like the second half of the, the show other than the part about actually most of the second half of the show could have taken place in any location. It could have been like a building somewhere. You know what I'm saying? Like there's oh, very yeah. little, it felt like they were all four floors apart. Yeah. It could have been, they were in a town somewhere. You know, I mean, the show does acknowledge you. There's one point where, uh, Juliet's trying to go see walk and that's, that is supposed to take a long time. You know what I mean? Like, and- well, so John's and Marn's take a two day or three day walk down to the bottom and then takes another like couple days to come back up. And obviously it's slower coming back up. And like a lot is made of the physicality and difficult difficulty of moving around the silo, moving information, moving things, you know, in the first half. And it just feels like we really, um, there are just a lot of times that it feels like, the raiders are coming and then we see the person they're looking for is standing like right there in a doorway and there is a sense of um total implausibility to like how people move through this thing and escape each other and evade each other that is only for convenience like to make the the chase work the way they want it to and that mm-hmm. is pretty maddening because of course i'm in it more for like the sciency bits <laughs> I will say they did have a nice explanation of, hey, uh, in the pact, it says you can't use magnifying devices and you can't use elevators. You know, those are the two things that the the founding fathers mandated for us. And so uh, I I like that they they at least try to explain why things are laid out the way they are. Yeah, but then people move faster than as if they had elevators. So like, (laughs) you know, whatever, whatever. Yeah. Um, I mean, all it took is Juliet gets to the recycling chute and she like is freaking super fit. She looks like, you know, again, like Sarah Connor um, in her tank top or whatever. She could just have a rope and she could like belay down or something. Or I, I don't know, <laughs> yeah. like there's some way. I mean, she probably wouldn't be carrying thousands of feet of rope, but. It, it, there was like a, um, a uh, on the Simpsons, there was a parody of uh, Night Rider called Night Boat, um, the crime solving boat, and uh, and there was like the thing with Night Boat is like whenever they're chasing someone, they he would always find like some body of water nearby that Night Boat could go on. Like, oh look, it's a fjord, or oh a tributary. Like you know, they're about to turn into the city. Oh look, an archipelago that we can ride through. You know, like whatever it is. Um, that's how it feels like with Juliet in Silo, where whenever it feels like the enemies are about to, the walls are about to close in, it's like, oh, hey, a garbage chute that, or a recycling chute that happens to be ex- extremely accessible to her. Um, or, oh, hey, look, a fit, you know, like some other contrivance that will help her to escape. Um, that seemed to happen quite. She basically, Juliet is the night boat of Silo, is what I'm trying to say, you know? Well, 
I'll just say at the end of an the inlet day, or canal. Those are the other things that an inlet. <laughs> I was so frustrated with Juliet that I was. I'm not saying I wanted her to clean or not clean or you know see the world as it is or not see the world as it is, but I definitely wanted her expunged from the silo because I do think she's very dangerous and not for a particularly good and helpful cause. Indeed, indeed. Um, tough, tough decisions. The show made. You know, I do think that the first half was stronger than the second half of the show like first half you're killing off people left and right Juliet's being super competent at fixing the generator amazing academy award nominated actors left and right you know like that's what the first half of silo was second half of silo was flame keepers and extremely slowly solving the mystery of george's death and you know the ending was somewhat satisfying but i i feel i agree with you that uh, i would have enjoyed it a lot more if it came three to four episodes earlier you know yeah Well, you know, they are trying to, I'll say this one other thing thematically that's quite different from the book. They're clearly trying to, so Walker is a male character in the book, Mm -hmm. um, played, you know, um, by a woman in the show. And the Flame Keepers seem to be very disproportionately women. This whole thing with Juliet's mom, you know, it's, 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 it's clearly meant to create like a lineage of through a matriarchal line mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. how you would actually revolt against this kind of authority, which feels very patriarchal. So, mm-hmm. you know, maybe it doesn't like fully land for me, but I, I do admire that they're trying to go in that direction. Just make her not have a lame boyfriend. <laughs> yeah. I mean, did you like any of the, the uh, love interests? You know, I liked the other dude. Lucas was his name, right? The, yeah. Uh, th- that was cool. The idea that, you would go and look at the sensor and then see lights in the sky and try to figure out what they were and try to map them. That, that was nice. That's a nice sci-fi touch, you know? I, yeah, I like for sure. For and sure. again, that's the stuff that Joy and I wanted more of in the show is like, yeah. what would that actually be like? Um, well, we will have a season st- two at some point in the future to contemplate these and other mysteries. Indeed. All right. Any other thoughts on Silo season one? Oh. You can. Uh, I mean, did, did you find the way that it wrapped up to be satisfying? I think you, you our, our our consensus is basically it took too long to get to where it ended, and then it only solved like some small subset of the mysteries that it introduced, right? I wouldn't say a small subset, but I I feel like it got eighty percent of how far I wanted it to. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think I largely agree with that. So, all right, well, that's going to bring us to the end of this week's episode of this week in streaming. Uh, again, I want to mention uh, that if you are a paid member at DecodingTV.com, you got this episode a little bit early. Sign up for ad-free episodes and early access to episodes when you become a paid Decoding TV member and also support this show and help to keep it going. Uh, we really appreciate all of our paid Decoding TV members. It's a weird time in TV right now. There's a lot of stuff going on, but there's also no one show that's dominating culture in the same way that The Last of Us was. Um, so your support is really meaningful during this weird, ambiguous uh, time in the TV landscape. Well, but until, um, can you, yeah. do you mind um, sharing with people like what else you're covering right now so that they can have a sense yeah, we of. Just, we just finished covering the bear on uh, uh, Hulu and uh, did a really supersized episode of that. Uh, and we'll be covering secret invasion. Uh, already have a couple episodes of that recorded. Uh, and we got more stuff coming for you that I am not ready to announce, but uh, later oh. this summer I will be. Yeah. So intriguing, intriguing. Indeed. All right. Well, Joy, thank you so much for the chat. Really appreciate it. Um, Till next we meet on levels one through 144. (laughs) Indeed. Goodbye.
Hello again. This is at Joyo Napping coming to you the week after we recorded our initial uh, take on season one of Silo. We, I think, stand by almost everything we said except for one detail, which eagle-eared listener Matt James pointed out to us in comments, which is that I got the details about the heat tape reversed. So all that discussion about heat tape and I got it backwards. I also went and checked the book and it's, I was wrong (laughs) no matter which way you look at it. The bad heat tape is in IT and the good heat tape is in mechanical. So either way, I think there's still, it's clear that there's two qualities of heat tape and that Walker gets the better heat tape swapped in so that Juliet's suit, which is intended to fail, doesn't. So she lives to see another season. Um, And you can also see why Tim Robbins' character, Bernard, would feel that it's very threatening to have somebody who was really close to George Wilkins' conspiracy theorist and a person who knows about the dual qualities of heat tape that are in the silo actually become the sheriff. How upsetting that might be to the potential social order. But Suffice it to say, thank you to Matt James. He was actually able to leave this comment early because he got early access as a subscriber to our uh, Decoding TV service. So thank you so much to Matt and all the other listeners who help make this podcast and others like it possible. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 